and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly, and we are in round 14, turn two. And ladies and gentlemen, boy, do I have a special, special guest with me today. I am with the man himself, the one, the only, the first host of Game Brain, Matthew Robinson. How are you, sir? What up, Tommy Dean? We're making a habit out of this lately. Woo! Yeah, you you were uh, you're uh, returning quite quickly from your uh, from your episode last season. Uh, this was impromptu, but we we just decided we had such a good game to review that we had to do it immediately. <laughs> I yeah, I you know, listen, it's not going to be a good review because we're going to spoil it right away, but I had the the best game experience of of 2021 uh, the other night with you and can't wait to talk about Dang. it, but uh, uh, what did you, I, I said, Matthew Robinson? Usually, I say yeah, the game this or the game that. Are you the game enthusiast? Is that what you're supposed to be? <laughs> well, what's fun, I'm still definitely the game enthusiast. Are I'm just know? not the game player anymore as much. But I, I still, I mean, if 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 BGG had like uh, you know when you play games on Steam, it tells you how long you've played. Yeah, my number on BGG would be really embarrassing. <laughs> Uh, I mean, so I mean, I'm still I still follow up on everything. I still watch all the big game reviews. I still read all the blogs and what you about, know, listen to podcasts. I still know everything going on because it's still my favorite hobby. I just don't have as much time to play because of work and kids. Yeah, look, do I have work? Do I have kids? I do. I do. You, you either you either knuckle down and you do it, <laughs> or you don't. You don't. You don't have a three and a two year old. It's a little different. Mm, let me think. I did once have a, a three and a one year old and a four and a two year old and yeah, that was rough. <laughs> <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> I guess we'll go with that. But um But I, I have been finding more time for gaming. You know, we I I decided I'm gonna try to do a small last minute game night every once in a while lately. And what's funny is uh I think I've canceled three times out of the four at the last minute due to work and family stuff. So I'm, uh, that's why I'm not like treating it like a return to game night yet because no. I'm just not very consistent, but, um, 100%. I, you know, I'm, I'm working towards it. Look, uh, you know, there is everything, all the literature says that, uh, that, that mental health, uh, requires people. It requires people yeah. in your life. It requires more than just nuclear family. It, it's 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 a serious serious deal and male loneliness in particular uh and and you know hopefully with with these new generations that don't have the baggage of those gender role things going on that's quickly going to change but for but yeah. but for our era we're still in that era of uh um male I can't tell if you're doing a, a kennedy impression now era era, era. <laughs> Once upon a time, a man would get together and drink. <laughs> they would get on their uh, yachts. Yeah, you know, I, and I'm trying to take that seriously because I, I, I've been sort of um, burning the candle at both ends for the last, like, year or so. And it, yeah. it's it's dawned on me that, um, you know, I, I definitely need to take care of, of my fun meter and keep that full as much as I can. So, yeah, this week I had a particularly stressful week and I was like, I'm going to Friday night game night at Tom's. 
And my wife was like, you should definitely go do that. So that was really awesome. It was a huge joy to have you there. Yeah. And I, I guess, yeah, let, let's let's take men and loneliness in, in general and just talk about Matthew Loneliness. I, I think that you need <laughs> to you need the the company of the weirdos of this podcast. Uh, it, it may not seem like you need it all the time. And it, it's a double edged sword to be sure. But it's a good it's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to have for life. I, yeah, I, well, and also, you know, you're not just my gaming partners. You guys are you know genuinely my best friends. So. So, you know, you got to you got to see your best friends. 100 percent. 100 percent. I totally agree. I, I myself have come to the realization that I need to get serious about like fitness and health and, and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, you know what? I'm at that age now that, yeah, if I want to, you know, what do I want? Do I want 20 years more? Do I want 30? Do yeah. I want 40? If you do, you got to put in the time. You got to do the, the things necessary to make that happen. And well, I, I have not mentioned this on the podcast, but I'm working towards marathon training right now. Holy cow. Don't do it. <laughs> no, 100% serious. I'm like a thousand percent serious. Like, okay. So listen, you, I know that you know a huge, super famous personal trainer because you did that season of buff on your former mm -hmm. podcast and that mm -hmm. whole thing. Did you yeah. ask, did you ask him about the marathon? Yeah. I mean, well, he also comes from a family of, uh, of, of extreme endurance runners sure. and like he knows that world really well. I mean, I, look, I, I'm not trying to break any records or set a good time. I'm sure. just, I'm, I, I've over the past three months, I've been working up to the place where I'm running six days a week right now, which I had never been able to do before. I'd never done more than three. I'm running wow. Wow. almost a marathon every week right now. I mean, you know, yeah, about, you know, three, three, four, three, four miles a day over six, you know, six days a week. But my body is, is now at the point after about three months that it's used to running every day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, my, my, Blood oxygen level has changed and all that stuff has gotten to the point where I can I can actually run every day now and be fine. And I don't my body uh, is able to recover and, and handle it. That's amazing. And I'm sort of hopefully past the injury stage because I was I, 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 I actually got this great treadmill that, you know, works with this thing called iFit, which has a really great mm -hmm. running program on it. And they it's all about how to get to the point where you can run every day without injuring yourself, which is obviously the, the biggest thing that stops people from being able to actually, you know, train for a marathon is everybody eventually pulls something because you just push too hard. So sure. it's not about running fast or hard. It's actually about keeping your, you know, I mean, this gets a little nerdy, but keeping your heart rate at exactly 77% of your maximum heart rate at, as, as, at, at all times. And they found that that's the ideal heart rate for, getting, you know, your body into uh, a place where your fitness is increasing and your blood oxygen levels are getting better and your ability to run long periods of time is getting better without uh, needing a huge amount of recovery and putting huge stress on your body. Interesting. So, so as because as your body adapts, you are improving and as long as you stay around 77% Exactly. Your, your your body is literally telling you at what interval you need to in, increase intensity and distance and so on and so forth. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's for some reason that number is, is a number that doesn't put a huge amount of stress on your body, but does put it into that place where you are increasing your ability for fitness. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. right. Because so many people overtrain early in their career, right? Always, they, they, yeah. in, in, not in just, not in just running, but in, in weights and all sorts of things, right? So many injuries come yeah. from going too far too fast. And in fact, a, a big thing I've learned as well is that it's not you're not supposed to run every day. You're actually supposed to hike more often than running. Um, and as long as you're keeping your heart rate at 77%, it's much better on your body. And actually, the, the hiking is working muscles in a more intense way. So, you know, the, the treadmill I have has 
an ability to almost go vertical with, you know, so like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, doing these really intense, slow hikes on this thing. And, and it's fun because there's a video, there's like a screen and you, you feel like you're walking through the Swiss Alps and all this stuff and it goes up and down, you know, oh, it makes it a awesome. game out of it. But like, but yeah, so it's like running, hiking. Yeah, it's cool. I don't know. You know, I, you I'm know not I like putting a ton of pressure on myself if I, if I don't get to the point where I, I could do a marathon, but I, you know. I, I think I think it's gonna be doable. The reason I said don't, the only reason I said don't, is because there are a bunch of people that I've that I've talked to over the years that were that have always said that actually like probably the best distance health wise, five k's are actually really really good for you. They're, they're, that's a great yeah. distance, and anything up to a half marathon is fine. Once mm-hmm. you get past the half marathon. There is a very small subset of people that their 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 bodies are really built to tolerate that, and for other people, it's yeah, like, totally. It's like it's you're trying to accomplish something once, you know. It's like climbing climbing Everest, but it's yeah. not something that is a healthful activity in in any yeah, kind yeah. of long term sense. No, it's it's not at all. It's more just like a fun thing to attempt. I mean, sure. the five k I've got, I do a five k. I literally do a five k six days a week. It's great, um, and I'm now working on the point where I'm trying to actually increase my time at my five k because I've sort of stalled out and I get the same time every day. So. Try and increase my time a little bit and then move on to 10Ks. And then we'll see. We'll see what happens Huge. after 10Ks if I want to move on to marathon. That is amazing. Well, you, you know my, what well, I do? My dad ran a marathon at 43. He ran his first marathon oh, wow. at 43. And I am 43. And so I'm like, I could do it. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, you're better than him. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, that, that he was a professional track. I'm not professional. He was a, coll- a collegiate track runner at UCLA and uh, was, you know, spent his whole life running. And I've spent my whole life sitting in front of a, computer writing but you know same thing are you gonna let him win are you gonna let him win <laughs> exactly well what's funny is like his knees and hips are totally blown out now so i'm like uh what am this i doing is, that's my future if he just if he stuck to the 5k it'd be okay it'd be, it yeah. could be okay um yeah. would it surprise you that i i biked to my office today to record this podcast oh that's awesome yeah <laughs> so i'm starting to get that in you know trying try to trying to find all sorts of little little ways to to improve but Enough about yeah. fitness talk with Tom and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's. I feel like everybody at this stage in, in COVID is like, yeah, maybe I need to get outside a little bit more. Oh yeah, something. yeah. I did not put on the COVID nineteen. I put on almost <laughs> double that. It's really bad. I got to get. I got to get back. Everybody in. did. I, I definitely got almost as big as I've ever gotten before during COVID for yeah. sure. Nasty, nasty. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are super excited to share with you what we're talking about today. We are going to talk about. Uh, not a game, but an expansion. We're talking about the 2021 expansion to Grand Austria Hotel, and it is called Grand Austria Hotel, colon, Let's Waltz! Let's Waltz! Let's We're going to be doing a lot of, of bad Austrian accents today. Hopefully we don't offend too many people. I am 43, going on 44. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yes. Let's, yeah, let, yeah. Let's, let's get this right is, this was what's funny is like this was an expansion that I kickstarted a while back, um, totally on FOMO, and it worked because they were like, you know, they did that thing where this we don't know if we're ever going to print this again. And I'm like, I like Grand Austria Hotel. I don't love it, but I yeah. like it. And I was like, but I could love it with a good expansion <laughs> potentially. And I was like, ah, they got me. And then it, I, I literally wasn't excited about it at all. It's not like I wasn't excited. I just was. It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait for that to come. I was like, oh yeah, that'll be neat. I'll try that one day. Sat here for about two or three weeks before I bothered to like even open it up. And then I started reading the rule book and I'm like, uh, this is amazing, I think. <laughs> I <laughs> and mean, now I'm so happy that I back. I wonder if what we experience is what other groups experience, right? Well, because for us, 
this is a game by uh, Virginia Gili and, uh, of course, Simone uh, Luciani. The and two, the two uh, designers of my sort of my favorite um, uh, medium weight Euro. Lorenzo uh, de Bonaventura. Lorenzo Magnifico. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right, Lorenzo. Uh, you know, and also you know, these people had a hand in so many games, right? Marco Polo. Yeah, no, and all both that of them have, have separately created amazing games, but the two games they've made together yes. are Grand Austria Hotel and Lorenzo. And for us, I think we would have put prop, generally collectively, you know, there's oh, some people will have a different ranking, but for the most part, we play the most of Lorenzo. We play the second most of Marco Polo. And for whatever reason, Grand Austria Hotel was sort of the odd man out. We like it. We admire yeah, I mean, we it, play, it. We play Zolkin and Coimbra more than we play Grand Austria. I think that's true, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't – I can't really look back and say there's a particular reason for that. It's just for, for whatever reason, it didn't quite sing the way the other games did to us. Yeah, to well, us. which is interesting because when, when Lorenzo first came out, I, one of my first interactions I ever had with Jennifer a long time ago, right when Lorenzo came out. Yeah. I don't even remember what year that was, seven, eight years ago maybe – uh, well, 2016. So yeah, uh, six, six years. years ago. Yeah. Um, and she walked over the table and she goes, why are you playing that when Grand Austria Hotel exists? And I was like, it was like, I think my first or second game of it. I was like, oh, well, I haven't played Grand Austria, but I really enjoy this. And then she taught Grand Austria to me that day. And I was like, I'm having the opposite experience of you, Jennifer, because I'm thinking, why would I play this when Lorenzo exists? <laughs> you know, because they were both great. But I just like, I was just like, I think Lorenzo does this better. But, uh, yeah, I, let, let's not spoil too much about our review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get into this week's Game Night. Um, so we had several game nights that went on this week. There was a uh, supposed to be a game night at your place that yep. got uh, that got moved to Ben's place uh, with a smaller group. Do you know what they played? I don't even remember what they played. Um, uh, Paul told me, but now it's slipping my mind. Oh, did they play um, the the built Metro Builders? Oh, or something? Uh, no, Magnate. Magnate is what they played, right? Magnate. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I think I think that's what they played. Yes, they played Magnate. It's a, a game that Ben has has been wanting to, uh, wanting to play for a couple of weeks now. It's so, like a yes. city building game. Yes, exactly. So Magnate the first city. That's what it is. Magnate the first city. Um, then on our Friday game night, uh, we played this uh, this amazing new version of Grand Austria Hotel, and the other group played. Um, they played Age of Steam, the Scandinavia map. And uh, conceded defeat within. It felt like they played for a half an hour, and then we're like, "Okay, that game's over." Is that a three-player only map? It's not, but it's it's a game. It's a it's a map that is very forgiving, so it plays really interestingly with lower player counts because every, there's oh, and, it, and it's a Martin Wallace map, so it's one of the OGs. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that. You know, we who knows? We might talk about that again because the, that map on the other side is the Korea map. Yeah, which um, is one of the best. Which yeah, maybe it'll come up in conversation because you know what? We we didn't even say what the topic of today is. We're we're so messed right. up. We're going to be talking about expansions since we're reviewing an expansion. We're going to talk about expansions. I think we've talked about expansions once before with Paul, but today we're going to talk about two sides of the expansion coin. 
best games without expansions, right? Games that are play better without adding any of the frivolous expansion stuff in. Uh, and then we're going to talk about expansions that completely transform games. You know, ones that really almost create a whole new game out of out of an experience. And we'll, we'll talk about. I think we will each have top fives for both of those, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, then in addition to that, let's see, what else did they play? They played Age of Steam, then they played Love Letter, and then they played um, High Society. So they brought brought out some old fillers to, to play, which was fun. Yep. They seemed to have a good time. Uh, and then last night, um, my, uh, my uh, church friend, uh, we get together every once in a while, and we had six people got together. And I brought out, uh, I started with Captain Sonar. And wow. We, yeah. Oldie but goodie. Uh, you know what? With the right crowd and the right situation, that's just that's just fun in a box. Yeah, you need, but you need exactly six or exactly eight people to play it. So it's 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 a real specialty item. Mm-hmm. But in the right circumstances, I I adore I adore that game. And this was this was a a a real hunt. It was a real. Uh, I think the our sub. Delivered two near misses on the uh, on the other sub. Actually, we, we fired so many torpedoes, and at the end of the game, they said you were two away from us like six times, <laughs> but we delivered two of the four hits necessary to sink him quite early on. Then they they got really sneaky with the silent mode, and they just kept going to to, to silent mode, trying to evade right. our evade our radio. I do feel game. like they, that can be gamed a little bit, a little hard. Maybe, maybe, because it definitely worked for them because we were trying to reacquire their track and they found us, delivered a direct hit, and then, you know, two minutes later, delivered the second direct hit and that was the game. So it was, it was a real, it was a, it was a long, it was a long battle. It was a tight one. So that was, that was pretty great. Uh, Then we moved on to, uh, to Bonanza. Uh, Love the, the first Uva Rosenberg hit. Um, Always fun. Never a bad time. No, no, no. And then we ended the game, the, the night, game night with wavelength, which I always love. Ooh, wavelength is okay. Yeah, wavelength, good game night. Well, it's one of those. Wavelength is one of those games that I've never had a bad game of it. Exactly, exactly. And I learn things about people. I learn how people think. Like I'm, yeah. I could actually say I might be starting to understand Dimitri just like a little bit, like. Like I've gone from zero percent to one percent understanding of Dimitri, <laughs> just watching how his mind tries to parse these questions, and it's right. it, it is it's not like any other mind on earth. It is it is its own thing. One one cannot get on the wavelength. One can merely guess at where the wavelength might be. Sure, uh, but it is it's astonishing. So that was that was game night. It was that was a, that was a fun week of games. I was really happy with that we had, that we played as many as we did. That's awesome. Yeah. Shall we get to the news? Let's do it. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Alpha South American. All the tips and clippers and see. Let's go to press. Game news. Uh, so first bit of game news is there is a, uh, a new thing on Board Game Arena. I'm trying to figure out what this is. Evidently, there's this, <laughs> what is it called? It's Lux et uh, Tenebrae, which is... Uh-huh. I, I don't know. It's it's from some obscure designer. It, the, the, <laughs> evidently, evidently, there's a game called Res Arcana. Res Arcana, yeah, Res Arcana, Res Arcana. Re- we'll call it. I think it's like Tex Arcana. Um, yeah, so it's a game about bootlegging. I think it's a Smokey uh, the Bandit. You're uh, such a jerk. <laughs> yes, they finally put the new expansion to Res Arcana up on BGA. Uh, it's a great expansion. It actually 
um, it's not on my list of, of expansions that change games, but I would never play without it as it's just one of the, those good, more variety expansions and, and the game can only benefit from that. It gives the original game, um, you were kind of choosing a couple different routes and mm-hmm. you kind of really had two choices you had to make at the beginning of the game of sort of which sort of strategy you're going to go. And this adds another two into it that I really enjoyed. Um, and it just makes, it makes the guessing game of, um, you know, potentially what your opponent can do to you and also how to protect against things your opponent can do to you a lot more interesting. Oh, so, good so, so it fixes a bad game. Good. That's good to hear. Uh, no, it, 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 it slightly <laughs> bolsters a great game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Resarcana uh, unabashedly. I think it's a fantastic, it's, it's my perfect, uh, magic, the gathering engine builder hybrid. And uh, if, for me, it is the, the best sleep aid on the market today. Wow. Yeah, well, to each their own. <laughs> to each their own. Uh, so what? basically the way you, you play it is if you already – you load up Res Arcana and Race Arcana, and then in the preferences, you can turn on Lux of Tenebrae. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not always so easy to figure out how to add expansions or modules in BGA, but it's there in the options. Correct, correct. Hey, yeah, listen – I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely an outlier on that. My 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 searing hatred of uh, of Twilight Imperium has got a lot of a, a lot of supporters on my side. Uh, <laughs> my my dislike yeah. of Race Arcana. I'm I'm kind of a man alone in a boat. So that's yeah. th- that, that's all right. That's all right. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm willing. Hey to, man, we all have our one thing. <laughs> I'm willing to be that. Um, uh, next up is. Uh, Oh, Lords of Ragnarok. Uh, so this is by the same designers as Lords of Hellas, and this is a. It's the same game system. It's just a new theme, a new era of gods, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and, and yeah, it has Thor and Freya and Odin and uh, all of those things. Did, did you ever see a show called Norsemen? Man, no, I didn't. I watched Vikings though. That was fun. This uh, Norsemen is. I, I I have a hard time describing it. I, I guess it's kind of like the office set in the world of Vikings. It is okay. the weirdest thing. It's it's a comedy. Kind yes, it is definitely a comedy. It is definitely a comedy, but it's it's like sometimes a violent and brutal comedy. It's it's really weird and and it's not entirely funny in all in all. Oh, parts. It is, it's a Norwegian production too. Yes, it is. It, it, it English language Norwegian production. Um, uh, and it's just got yeah it's it's got it's cool I'll these, check it out you should you should you should check it out you you might I, I kind of grew fascinated by it to be honest with you it's it's a really it's a weird tweener it's not just one thing and it's not just another thing it's it's kind of yeah. all over all over the place but in a really interesting you know it's when you've seen it so many stories told the same way it's just refreshing even if you don't agree with all the choices made it's refreshing to see sure. something that's just radically different. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So th- this is from Awaken Realms. It's, it's it's for backing right now on their proprietary Kickstarter, which is called GameFound. They realized they were making so much money on Kickstarter that why are they giving any of their money to Kickstarter? And they just basically started their own Kickstarter called GameFound so they can take all the money. Um, uh, the sculpts look Lords amazing. Of Hellas, Lords of Hellas was fine. I played it. It's um, It annoys me that they still call it a dudes on the map game. I feel like we've retired that phrase it's a, a, a people on a map game and uh it's a fine one it's interesting it's a little heavy i, I enjoyed it i don't know if I, I would keep playing it um i think i still own it i don't think i sold it yet but it's fine um I, I i'd say it's one of my 
more the one one of the you know people in the map games I've enjoyed more than most. There, there's some cool stuff going on. All right. Um, but yeah, this this is not. I I, I don't. I wouldn't back this because if I already have that. Right. Personally. And yeah, and and this is obviously I think anyone who's heard this podcast more than a couple times knows that this is this is not a game for me. But that's not to say yeah. that it's not a game for for any, anybody else. And if sorry. I did paint minis, though, I would buy this even if I hated the game because oh, the minis are gorgeous. Crazy. They, I mean, they. I feel like Awaken uh, Realms is unbeatable at their minis. They're, they're they're in a class of their own. Yeah, a ton of these are like two pieces or multiple pieces. Well, that's that part are... of the thing is you're building these huge monuments. Mm. And so that's, that's a fun part of the game is that, you know, you build one piece and then you slowly watch this giant statue be built throughout the game. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Um, it is currently at a goal of $50,000 and it's almost at 900,000. They're by the 900,000 time... euros. So that's over a million bucks. Woo! Um, yeah, grab that. That's that's a lot of brie. Um, there are 17 days left as of this recording. Probably 16 by the time you hear this. So uh, yeah, if if you are into this kind of game, if you like Lords of Hellas, definitely check this out. Next up, something that I am quite interested in: Messina 1347. Um, it's it's Essen time, so people are starting to talk about the the, the games that are are coming out of Essen and. What's out there? This is a game that has two designers, Raul Fernandez Aparacio and Vladimir Suhi. And Vladimir Suhi is a uh, is one of my favorite designers. A instantly has become like top five for me. I, you know, with I, I don't know how you felt about Praga, but I, I liked Praga a lot. But I love Underwater Cities, and I love the Underwater Cities expansion. Spoiler alert: might be mentioned later on. Um, I, and I also love Pulsar twenty eighty forty nine. I know you guys love Shipyard. I've still never played it. I did love Last Will, even though I sold it, but it was really interesting. Yeah, um, Last Will is Last Will is amazing. such a great idea, right? And yeah. and it, it's a good game. We played it probably five idea. six times. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I played the hell out of it, and then realized I don't think there's anything more to this game, and and, yeah. and we got rid of it. But it was it was amazing. And yeah, my favorite game of his is Shipyard. It's still Shipyard. It's yeah. a good, crazy, yeah, which I've never played. Crazy good game. I didn't like Praha myself, but. Um, I'm very sensitive to multiplayer solitaire, and I felt it was very—it was a little too multiplayer solitaire for my liking. This does not seem to be that way. Uh, and Vladimir Suhi, this is, I believe, the first time that he's ever designed with somebody else. I think all yeah, of and it's their first game. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder—I wonder how that happened. Maybe it was. Uh, oh no, they. Sorry, they have one other game called Four Pints, Please that came out in 2018. Are you I don't know about, what that is, but um, you talk about delicious it's, oh, games. It's his company very light. Yeah, and uh, Messina 1349, I mean, you could not get a game that – this is either going to sell the game to you or it is going to make sure that you never play the game again. But it is set in the city of Messina in Sicily in 1349, which is when the Black Death came upon them. And it is literally a worker placement game in which you are trying to – build your economy and make money and so on and so forth, but at the same time, battle the Black Death. So these ships are coming to the harbor, and they have the... You're Sicily. You're an island. You need food and supplies, and you need things, right? But unfortunately, the rats are also coming on on board, and you're trying to build, you know, set up quarantine areas and all sorts of things to keep that at bay. Um which listen that 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 mechanic has a storied history right going all the way back to games like Republic of Rome 
where you are trying to do the best you can, but you're also trying to put out these fires before these fires consume consume everyone, right? Um, it just seems like... You had me at Black Death. <laughs> I, listen, some people are going to be like, you know what, I have too much of that in my life. I don't want that in my game. Uh, but it really does seem... Like this game. I'm so sorry for the people who have Black Death in their life. <laughs> well, well, we have our version, right? But it, it definitely seems like this game is designed around the idea of mitigating a pandemic and trying to carry on with life as you do so. And that seems to be the balance you're trying to strike in the game, which is fascinating that that this game is coming out now. Like, were they did were they had to be designing this before anything happened, right? Um, yeah, you got to figure. But, you know, it's. It, I, I still think there's a place for a Black Death game in, in 2021. And, uh, you know, I mean, to be honest, I think the kind of people who are buying, you know, these heavy, you know, it, it's rated as a 3.5 on BGG, which means nothing at this point. But you got to figure it's it's going to be a meaty game. Um, I feel just Vladimir Suchi and heavy game is really all about 80% of the people that are going to buy this game are going to even check Right, and they're just gonna go. I'm in. Got it. Oh, it's about Black Death. Sure, whatever. Let's go. Yeah, probably. Uh, Rado said it was for him. It was uh, less uh, heavy than uh, Praha. So okay. Uh, well, it and- looks crazy heavy. I mean, it, there's a this is a table hog. There's a ton of stuff going on, and it's it just one of those games that you look at and you go, um, "This is gonna be a long teach." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then last up, Gloomhaven is on Steam. Well, it's been on Steam for a long time, but it has been in open beta for Mm -hmm. a while and and purchasable beta. Um, And it's been really well received and really cool. And it's had some interesting new modes. Um, And at no point could you actually play Gloomhaven. You couldn't, if you bought the game Gloomhaven, the giant box, you couldn't play the same thing on your computer. You were instead playing sort of a different randomized version of it where you're playing the same mechanics and the same characters with the same cards, but you weren't going through the campaign. And as of last week, Gloomhaven is now on steam at at their 1.0 out of beta thing. And the entire campaign of Gloomhaven can now be played on your PC by yourself or online with your group. Um, And that is a game changer, I think for our hobby. I mean, I think I'm finally going to play Gloomhaven. <laughs> you, uh, well, Gillison was asking me if you want if we want to get a group together and go through it. I mean, if you want in, you know, the four of us can. Um, I, I take might a run it. I might be in for that. I might be in okay. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly, keep me keep me apprised because I, I, I'm I'm thinking it's the exact game. It's just it does you know all the work for you, and you don't have to spend ten hours building these maps that are really annoying to build and taking out all the chits, and you know, you just oh, yeah. play. Uh, you know, I, I've said it every time Gloomhaven comes up. I say I, I make sure that everyone knows that I haven't played it because I'm a, a, a host of a board game podcast who has not played the number one, you know, the, the most popular yeah. board game that's out there. Um, yeah. There are reasons for that. You know, it's a, it's it's a it's a time hog. It's a suck. It's a it's, oh, there's all sorts of reasons that. Well, it, it's a 95 scenario campaign, it's and each scenario takes 45 minutes to two hours. Right. So there you go. That's a, that's so a, you that's about 150 hours most likely of your life yeah. to play one game. And I'm still trying to finish the the first 
15 minutes in game time of the campaign for North Africa. And we've been <laughs> working on that exactly. for about seven months. Uh, and I hope to move into the next 15 minute segment uh, sometime in 2023. So finding time for Gloomhaven, it, it's yeah. tough, but uh, this, the, boy, does this make it attractive, right? It makes it, it yeah. makes, makes me. Oh, yeah. And, and it's a full fledged it. release. I mean, there is money in this. The production value is incredible. It does not look like your average board game adaptation. That looks like it was, you know, made in about 1997 and comes in a giant box that sold at, you know, Electronics Boutique. It, this looks <laughs> like a modern video game. Isaac Childress, the designer of Gloomhaven, was completely involved in every step of this. This is his baby. I think he described it on Twitter the other day. You know, I mean, he put as much effort into this as he did in the game. You know, this is this is Gloomhaven and, and potentially the definitive version of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's it, yeah. 30, $34.99 on Steam right now. I have wanted to play this for a very long time, and it, it feels like the universe is saying, hey, remember that? Remember that promise you made yourself? Here yeah. is the answer. And also, Gloomhaven costs $125, and you are now able to get the exact same game without any of the physical version of it, but sure. the exact same game experience for $34.99. It's pretty great. Pretty great, great deal. Works on Mac and PC, by the way, I should mention. Woo! Oh, I'm wrong. Hold on. I take that back. It is still only on PC. I apologize. I thought it was on both. I cannot play this game then. <laughs> well, hold on. No, no, that's. I don't think that's true. No, it works on Mac. I take that back. 100% works on Mac. I'm play, I literally just booted it up on my Mac right now. It's fine. I don't know why <laughs> it's, it's Works on both. We're good. You you put me through a roller coaster in the last minute. I really did. I really did. No, it works on both. Works on both. Their, their store page only has the little Windows symbol, but I'm like on my Mac, and I was like, wait a minute, why is it loaded on my Mac? And I just hit play, and it opens. It's great. Weird. Weird. Um, do you want the old or the new games of the brain theme? <sighs> Give me the new. The EDC, the Electronic Dance, whatever, is uh, this week. So you made the right choice. <laughs> exactly. Much, much more correct. What is on your brain right now, Matt Robinson, game related? And if, um, and if nothing is the answer, <laughs> that's fine too. No, I definitely have a lot. I mean, Messina has been on my brain. I'm really excited for Imperial Steam, which is being delivered to me in the next few days. Um, it's been much hyped by Trey and Jennifer, although with caveats. <laughs> but um, it just sounds like my jam, and I uh, oh, yeah. I really am excited to try it. Totally, um, you have played it, right? Can, give me your. Give I me have your not. No, I have on. not played it yet. Oh, oh, well, shoot. Okay, no, I'm waiting for you. You and I are going to play it for the first time together. Oh, amazing. Okay, yeah. Well, I am. I am very hyped for that. Um, yeah, yeah. What else am I hyped for? I'm also hyped for a game called Origins: First Builders, uh, which should be delivering in the, sometime in November. Um, What's interesting is uh, it, it just it looks it's a cool theme, uh, which is what if the seven wonders of the world were actually built by aliens? Um, and it is a worker placement game that is from uh, what I think one of the which is funny. I think it's from one of the designers of um, the game we were just talking about. Uh, Adam, Lords of Hellas. I Adam Kwapinski. Yeah, yeah. Make, make well, sure. Yeah, he did, um, he did Lords of Hellas. He did Nemesis. Lords of Hellas, Nemesis. Yeah, so not a Euro designer, but this is, from what I've heard, 100% a Euro. It looks um, like it. And I'm always interested when, quote-unquote, Ameritrash designers take a stab at making a pure Euro. 
and 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 I read a bunch of reviews that were kind of stellar. Um, so and and what really sold me for it is dice dice worker placement. That that is uh, always. Uh, that is probably my favorite kind of game. So, and and one we'll be talking about today, sort of vaguely, mm. dice action selection. But you know, I, I always like when dice are involved in uh, either as workers or as action selection, or you know, I mean that, that level of variety. Crystal Palace is is dice worker placement, but also dice bidding. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Sure. Dice, Teo to walk in. No, I'm yeah. sorry. Dice budgeting, I should say. Uh, so dice budgeting that is the worker placement for me is that that's the killer thing about about that game that that just puts well, it down for me. Yeah, and Twa is probably my favorite you know version of using dice action selection and stuff because there's just so many fun ways to mitigate them and oh, yeah. manipulate. Absolutely, just the, the dice become a puzzle, which is also sort of true. I feel like in uh, uh, the game we're reviewing today, Grand Austria. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's essence. What's on your brain? Well, uh, I'll be going to BGG Con. Trey and I are uh, going to BGG Con. Uh, Candace will be there as well um, next month. So, looking forward to that. And whenever we do that, you know, I, I start looking at the Essen releases because I'm looking at what is going to be there and what sure. do I have to play first? What do I have to try first? And so on and so forth. And whenever I do that, it always brings me back to the time that you, Trey, and I went to Essen uh, mm-hmm. a few years back. Uh, we stayed in the Atlantic Congress, which is the hotel. It's the nearest hotel to the to the fairgrounds and and to yep. the and to Spiel. And you go down to breakfast each morning at Cucks, which was the name of the restaurant uh, there in the lobby. And everybody is there, right? You're, it's this buffet breakfast, and you know you're 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 pushing past uh, Eric Lang, and you're you know you're you're you're, you're you know, taking the bacon away from Tom Vassell, and he's got to wait a minute to get the, to get the new ones and all that. No, sort it of stuff. is it is for somebody who sees you know uh, designers and content creators as celebrities. It, it was my Oscars, <laughs> like it, yeah. it really like everywhere you're looking, like oh my god, it's that person. Oh my god, it's that designer. Oh my god, and it's just you know, there's like eight people in the world who would get excited to see these group of people, but I'm one of them. Yeah, and and they're staying in our hotel, and we're you know we're we're yeah. we're, see, we're seeing them all the time. And that was just such a wonderful, wonderful trip and a wonderful experience. Um, going through the just cavernous halls, it just impossible. Like, I think we finally, by the end of it, by the end of five days, finally walked down each and every aisle. But that's just right, walking right. down each and every aisle. I would say that we probably got to look, actually watch being played, not even play, but watch being played, maybe one out of every 10 games that were there. And it was mm-hmm. just. It was just massive, and just trying to figure out what are the hits going to be, what are the things that are going to come out of that. It's just, it's just fascinating to me, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think the game I'm most looking forward to uh, in the SN crowd is probably Ark Nova. Actually, uh, they were talking about that. Oh, last week. that's they, un- that's surprising. Why, why would you say that? I, I just saw it on Capstone. Well, first of all, um, I put a lot into Capstone selection process. I think that they they have uh, you know they they have, their taste has been unbelievably impeccable uh, up to this point, and I, I like it's the first it. time designer though you know that's 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 a it's, punt. You're it's taking. a big risk. It's a big risk. Yeah. Um. But it looks looking at the board, looking at the the the, the way the game seems to be laid out, it doesn't look like a first time designer. It looks assured. It looks mm. it, it it looks. Yeah, it looks like the guy knows what he's doing, and and it is 
you know, I, I like the I, zoo management. I think is a great theme. I think it's a great idea. Really, yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Have you? Did you pre-order it? No, I haven't yet. No, um, I'm I'm a, I'm stuck in this place where I'm going to be going to BGG Con. And right, you got to play it first. There's yeah. going to be a ton of these games are going to be there. There's going to be a ton of games there, and there's going to be you know copies of a lot of this stuff. And yeah, especially now with the with with the supply chain all messed up, I have no idea what's going to be there and what's not. This doesn't even ship till February 22, so yeah, there's no rush. Exactly. It sort of has a polyomino element too. It looks like when you're building your your little zoo, which. I, I'm kind of into. I gotta tell you, I, I kind of like, you know, maybe it's going all the way back to Princes of Florence, but I like a little bit of polyomino. I think where Uva Rosenberg's been going lately or, or, is, uh, is too um, much. What's 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 the splatter game that you love? Antiquity. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, that that has a polyomino thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 it's not it's not in your face. It's not crazy. But it's it's a it's something that you're always trying to factor in in addition to these other decisions that is just very very interesting and yeah yeah and and it's a a, a good polyamino puzzle you know when I've when I'm in antiquity and I've built a good city and it's packed full of things that I want to be there it just looks nice I'm just like dude look at the, look at the urban totally. planning here it's amazing <laughs> totally. so that's the game I'm, I'm most looking forward to coming forward so. We will see. That's exciting. Well, you, you made it seem more exciting to me, so I, I'm going to look into it more. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, you're absolutely right that the the first time designer is always such a huge question mark. The odds of them, you know, knocking it out of the park on their first try are relatively low, but it does, but it does happen. I mean, it people, happens. Yeah, I mean, look at uh, Transcontinental. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect example. Blew our minds. Yeah. Yeah, well, what, what that, your guys' minds. I only that? played it once, but I liked it. Yeah, coming out in 2026. Yeah, who knows? Everything's coming out in 2026. I think I think um, it's supposed to it's supposed to be bundled with uh, uh, Blood on the Clock Tower. I think it'll be coming out. Yeah, there. and and uh, it'll be sold at the screenings of the Dune sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I've heard they're going to hire writers on that in three years. Um, yeah. uh, my God, my God. Uh, I, I can't talk to you about that. Uh, I know so I haven't seen it yet. Matt hasn't seen it. I've seen it. Trey's seen it. We've 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 gone out. Like most of us at game night on Friday had seen it. I think all of us had seen it except for except for Matt. And so we're sitting there trying to talk about it without talking. I mean, I said like go for it. It doesn't matter. I've, I mean, I've read the books literally probably twelve, thirteen times. I read it almost every year, and I have since college. Uh, I've seen the Lynch movie a hundred times. I mean, I, I, I've read every Dune book. I know the, I mean, it's like, you can't spoil anything for me. <laughs> no, there's, I think you still can though. I think that there's, sure. You can't, you can't spoil what happens, right? That's not going to change. Uh, but you can definitely, you can definitely pre prejudice someone toward one thing or another thing or, you know, there, there's still, there's. Who, okay. Here's, here's my one question and this doesn't spoil anything. Okay. I just want to know yeah. whose moment is better. Lynch versus modern Dune, the tooth. <laughs> um, definitely, no, definitely Villeneuve's. Really? Oh, because that Lynch moment to me is perfection. Okay, well, is that's it? good stuff. Is it? I love it. I that I love that scene in the movie. What's so good about it? This really? is great. It's, it's very well done and emotional and crazy and I don't know. I think it's great. I think it's perfectly done. 
I, I just I just think the Baron in Dune is so is so comically over the top that yeah, ah, I, I love ah, him. Now. Ah, yeah. ah, it just it ruins it for me. It, it just it just <laughs> it, it utterly utterly kills it. And uh, yeah, I, I will say that I think the the uh, the severity of the tooth and the uh, the power of poison. Is treated much more uh, much more devastatingly in this, right. this yeah, modern, I can see this modern edition. I, cool, let's put it that way. I will I will definitely be seeing it this week very soon. I'm sure. <laughs> and that's it. Should we get to the review? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're talking about Grand Austria Hotel. Let's waltz. A 2021 release by Virginio Gili and Simone Luciani. The artist is the ever popular Clemens Franz. And the publisher, the main publisher, is Lookout Games. Matt, to tell us about this expansion. So this is, it's actually something I dislike in expansions, which is modular expansions. Oh. I, don't, um, I don't appreciate them. And in fact, it's a deal breaker for me if you have a modular expansion in which all the modules don't work together. That's actually a deal breaker for me. I'm not, I want to just play the best version of the game. I don't want to play one version this way and the next time try different. And I, I don't want to play test your game so, <laughs> and decide so, which one is the best. So I want you to tell me the perfect version of the game. So, so are you anti catch-up expansion? You, you know, what's funny is I haven't played it yet. <gasps> I have not played it yet, but I don't, I just find that to be a stressful situation where I'm posed with a box of toys. <laughs> I don't want, I just want to play the best version of the game. I, and I don't want to have to play eight different versions before I figure out which one I like best. Um, well, ladies so, and gentlemen, we did not have that problem because we decided to eschew the advice uh, printed in the book and play immediately with all five modules. <laughs> which is what I always do because I, I – and, and in fact, that, that it wasn't even a question to me. It's like I yeah. don't – I just want to play the, the, the version 2.0 of the game. And yes, I understand that, you know – if you're playing this with, you know, players who aren't used to heavier things, you want to introduce things slowly. But we don't have that problem in our group. We, we're, 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 we've played them all. So for me, it's like, okay, how do you play the full game? And I really liked that there was a page in the middle of the rule book that told you how just, just laid out how to set up the game for all modules. Because often that is super annoying where the, in, the setup instructions are just laid out for each module and you have to figure out the timing of how to put them all together. Like, well, at what point do we draft these cards? And at what point did we do that? You know, it's like they totally solved that for you, which made me feel like they're saying this is how we play with all of them. Yes. Um, and, you know, you know, but we're just saying you can slowly work up to it. Um, so, yeah, we played with all of them. And so. The game does add a whole bunch of modules, but they're all they're all work together really nicely. They don't. There's none of them that make you feel like your attention is being split between multiple places. There's a cohesion to them. I'm saying that it does feel like this is now the full game to me. Would you agree with that? 100. percent I, I I think that the um the one that is the most you can take it you can take it or you can leave it um feels like celebrities. Right, that's they're they're not intrinsically tied into everything else, but everything else feels really tied together and tied. I would disagree with that actually, because I feel like having those, and we'll explain what all the modules do in a second. But having those super dice that you that in fact brings a huge decision space to the game that wasn't there before. Of like, the earlier you take those, the more expensive they are, but but then the more use you'll have of them because they last for the whole round. And I don't know. To me, that feels like 
I would never want to play with a game without those now because that was a huge decision point for me. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just saying that in terms of the way that plays into the uh, the other parts of the game, it's a little more separate, right? It's a little more. Yeah, I, I well, to me, if, if if you if one could be pulled out without affecting the experience too much, it would be the asymmetrical powers. I think just because you know there's just it doesn't actually change the overall structure of the game. It just adds, it takes away the element that we all have different things, which I would never want to play without. But I love it so much. <laughs> I love it so favorite much. favorite thing ever. But, <laughs> but you could, you know, you'd still be playing the full expansion, you know, just without asymmetrical powers. Yeah. We, if we look, the, the, the cat's already out of the bag. We love this thing. We are great. We are, I'm obsessed with this thing now. It is so good. Let's get into the expansions, right? Yeah, let's go through them one at a time. Yeah, you you have the rule book in front of you. I left the game there, so you, you talk me through, and then we can discuss each one. Yes, I will go through all of the modules, but first, how about a brief refresher on what Grand Austria Hotel is, the basics of the game. Exactly. So uh, Grand Austria Hotel is a game where you are Viennese hoteliers. Uh, each person has their own hotel in the game, and you are attempting to... Uh, lure customers to your hotel or draw customers, which are cards. There's a deck of cards that are customers. These customers have desires. They're either going to want cake, strudel, coffee, or wine in the base game. You must fulfill those, get those resources, give them to your customers, and then they will stay in your hotel. And then you have on your hotel board this fun little puzzle, this little multiplayer solitaire element that you're filling in wherein the doors have different colors, red, blue, and yellow, and each patron wants to stay in a specific colored room. And when you put them in those rooms, you can start finishing sections of your puzzle. So let's say there's three blue doors in a row or three red doors in a row. You get different rewards for putting customers in and completing those whole sections. On top of that, there are objectives that we're all chasing at the same time, like have 20 kroner, which is the money in the game, or... You know, the first to fill in six rooms in a row, things like that. Then there's also the element of um, a politics track where if you're not high enough on it every other round for the most part, something bad will happen to you. And if you are very high on it, something good will happen to you, which is sort of similar to uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Right. Um, the, and that's, the heresy pretty track. Much the yeah. that's pretty much the crux of the game, except the main mechanism is the first player rolls a whole pile of dice and then those numbers decide how many times the six actions in the game can be taken. So you roll the dice, you put all the ones in the one column, twos in the two, like, like that. And then each one of those columns is a specific action you can take. And you simply remove the die to take the action. And the amount of dies in that column uh, is the strength of that action. So, for example, if I want to take three strudel, um, if there are three dice in the strudel column, I take one of them. And now I get three strudel. The next person who takes that would only get two because there are two dice there and on. And that, that's pretty much the basics of the game. Yeah, yeah. It, you're, you're getting patrons. You're putting them in your restaurant. Um, and they have requirements. You're using the dice to get the goods and requirements that they need. You're using other dice to prepare rooms. And then you're fulfilling those cards and putting them in the rooms. And that's the main way you score victory points. Until now. Because this is yeah. Let's Waltz, and Let's Waltz introduces uh, a a panoply of other ways to score points and other factors to consider in terms of how you are running your hotel. 
So let's talk about module number one. Module number one, they don't wait. Right? Some people, they save the, the, the best module for last. No, they start out with the big one right off the bat. Vienna ballrooms. There are these gorgeous ballroom uh, boards, and each game you will put out three of them. And each one of them has a number of spaces somewhere between 10 and 15 spaces on there that you can take your patrons. And instead of putting them into rooms in the hotel, you can have them dancing in the grand ballrooms. Yeah, they're, they're happy. They don't want to spend the night. They just want to get their dance on. Exactly. Exactly. But in order to place them there, you're going to need to use a new resource, a mega resource in the game called Champagne. 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 <laughs> the hardest to get resource in the game. Indeed. It is a it is a tricky one. But in all of these places, there are several one spaces where it only costs one champagne to put it. But those spaces, while it's cheap to place your your patrons there um they don't get you anything then there are the two spaces of which there are generally two to three depending on the player count and those are going to get you a small reward for putting people there but they cost two champagne each and then there are two to three uh three level spaces and those give large rewards and there are how many would you say there there's tons of these boards and and I each think one there's of, six or seven, maybe eight, and you only play with three in a game. Yeah, and they're not double sided. The, the the two sides for them are just different player counts. Yeah, I feel like there's eight, but maybe there's only maybe there's only six. But uh, in any case, there's a lot of different things, and each one of them scores differently. Some of them are straight uh, point grabs. Some of them are point grabs based on the number of uh, of dancers you have on that particular board at that particular time. They do all kinds they're almost, of They're games. almost their own mini game. Yeah, they really are. And, and also, e- even if there's only six of them, the huge replayability of it is the order they come out in, too. Because you you score the first one at the end of round three, the second one at the end of round five, and the, and the third one at the end of round seven. And the order they come out is hugely important because they only matter up until their round. And then you can forget about them. Exactly. And uh, this means that you have another, uh, uh, another unit. You have ten dancers in your color and you are going to place them on the rehearsal room board and each player at the beginning of the game there's going to be in a four-player game there are four rehearsal room boards and the last player in the first round it gets the first choice of those rehearsal boards. Why is that important? I love so much that even those are asymmetrical that that would have nobody would have even noticed if they weren't if they were all <laughs> the same if honestly if they're all the same I don't even think we would be thinking about it but just the fact that each one is different and you reverse player order draft them is just great. It's fantastic. It's fantastic because as you pull your your dancers off and put them in the ballrooms, you will be able to complete sections of this uh, of this rehearsal board and those will unlock little bonuses. And those bonuses are radically different between the between the different boards. So it it shapes a a way that you should be focused. So if you clear the top four guys, that's a group. Uh, the top four dancers, that's a whole group, and that might give you, um, it, it might it might score you two points for every completed room that you have, or it might score you two champagne and three money, or uh, things like that. If you complete the one guy that's just sitting down at the bottom, and you put him down there, it only costs one to complete it, but it does give you a small little benefit, like you might get strudel or coffee or cake or something like that. Um, so it's it's one it's a wonderful wonderful thing 
because the the tension of the game is that I have these people in my restaurant. I need to get the things that they need so I can score their points. But then I have to have a place to put them. And I don't have a room ready for them. Well, this guess what? This what right. give this gives a second option for what you can do with those people, right? And there was a part of the game sometimes that you could stall out a little bit if you were waiting on specific colors, and that could be frustrating that the colors you need to match your 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 clients and the rooms they want to go into isn't coming out. So there was a little bit of randomness in that that I think certain Euro players could find annoying, a variance level that could affect your strategy that I think this alleviates. 100%. 100%. So this module also comes with a bunch of new guest cards, I think almost 30 new guest cards. Um, it comes with new staff cards. It comes with new objective cards that go into the deck, all to make the things like the champagne economy turn into a scoring opportunity based on certain circumstances. Uh, the number right. of uh, dancers that you have in the various ballrooms being a scoring condition for various things. Um, and it's it's gorgeous, right? Wouldn't you say? I, I think it looks... The way they did the boards and the way they did the little wooden pieces that, that, that go on there yeah. that are the pair, of dan- the, the pair of dancers, it looks like some very well-heeled dancers in a huge ballroom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's elegant. It looks great. Yeah, and and they also took took the time to to make all the dancers diverse and not just you know generic white people like I feel sadly often happens in a lot of Euro games. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, although they did not do that with the celebrities, but I, I you know yeah period real people whatever mm-hmm. we can discuss that. But yeah, maybe yeah. Um, and these uh, these three boards by the way score at the end of rounds three, five, and seven, and it's a seven round game. So. Uh, that that tells you all you need to know. You have you have uh, three rounds to get the get your f- dancers ready for the first competition, then uh, yeah. two rounds for the for the future ones. And you can place dancers into any of the ballrooms right off the bat. Yeah, and even when a ballroom is already scored, you could still place dancers there. You know, the only reason you'd be doing it is in the second and third rows to potentially get uh, some resources that you need. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely great, and and it turns the resource grabbing dice, uh, the, the resource grabbing dice now have a third option. They can also get champagne. Uh, the way it works is, uh, if you have a three power die on the right space, you can get three wine or two wine and a coffee or one wine, one coffee and one champagne. It's it, it's right. The, the rule is you you can never take more. Uh, more like you can never take more champagne than coffee and you can never take more coffee than wine. I, I might be getting the resource. No, that's correct. You're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so you all, you know, if you have a strength of six, you could take two of each or you could take five. You could just never have more of the most valuable one than the one right below it. Yeah. So, yeah. So now there's, now those two dice are always valuable to everybody because there's one die that gets you three resources, one that gets you another three resources, but they both have champagne now. So that makes both of those dice competitive always. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. It's it's definitely the 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 main attraction of this expansion and what it does for the game in giving you another option for what to do with those people in your restaurant. Different ways to score them and place them and just a a a greater variety in the the ways to compete for points in the game. It's phenomenal. Yep. Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and just the variety of every time you play. It's just it's one of those favorite things my my favorite games do is that when you when you're setting up a game with a ton of variability, 
that moment where you everybody at the table takes in the board and you're realizing how fun this combination is going to be and how or how challenging it's going to be or oh my god that ballroom is first well that changes the entire game or you know i mean just all those little things is so fun 100% 100% i, I think of gaia project when i think of that you know you study Absolutely. you study everything where the planets are which planets are close to which planets who has which who has which company which what are the uh, bonus technologies on the yeah, tech exactly. track and all of those just fit into a calculation of what kind of game is this mm-hmm. uh, th- this this expansion makes this game very much like that it is there's so many different factors that will indicate oh you know what this is a champagne heavy game we're gonna have to focus on yep. this a little bit more this is a right it's wonderful module yep. number two module number two is celebrities celebrities is a fairly simple module there are three colored dice there's a red a blue and a yellow die and there are 12 celebrity tiles in each round uh three tiles are going to come out for those respective dies and as I think Matt already said, um, those dice get rolled with all of the others. When you pick a celebrity die, it acts just like a die of that type. So if it's if it's a die, if if the red die is a one, it just counts as another one. If there are four one die there, and you take the red one, you have to pay three dollars. Three dollars. You have to pay a dollar for each white die that is in the same well, for, for each die of any color that's not the not oh, the die you're correct thinking. yeah because there could be two of the same uh two right. celebrity dice on the same road that's right um yeah so you'd have to pay three bucks but for by the way three th- bucks is a ton of money in this game like oh, these dice are expensive and money is so tight in this game but sometimes the benefit yeah. for that for that person is going to last for this die selection and your second die because you're choosing two dice each round of the game, pretty much, um, and that can be yeah. A like really so, sometimes benefit. it is invaluable. Like there was a time in the game when I think I think Gandhi is one of the. Okay, so yeah, okay, there's a, a, a non-white person in the game, but uh, Gandhi I believe is one of the uh, celebrities, and his power is. Um, he will put people into rooms for free. He will prepare hotel rooms for free. I don't know how thematically that plays out to Gandhi, but um, you, he uh, you can't you can charge Gandhi. Rooms. Yeah, he, he loved to prepare rooms. Everyone knows that about him. Uh, so it, it costs money to prepare rooms, and preparing rooms is necessary prior to filling rooms, and it's often everybody's least favorite thing to take because there's no immediate benefit from it. But you, it's one of those things where you have to do throughout the game so that you have places to put your people unless you're only going to the ballroom. But Gandhi lets you, for, as, as soon as you get him for the rest of the round, you can prepare rooms for free. And so I then went hard on preparing rooms with Gandhi. I think I saved like $13. And yeah, he cost me like four. So, you know, I saved like seven or something or eight. But Huge. like that was game changing for me. Huge, absolutely, and uh, all of these are situationally situationally work that way. Uh, it, it's a very tight game, right? Grand Austria Hotel is is a game of inches. Like if I choose this die and I use it this way, I get a five percent advantage, ten percent advantage over what you can do by yeah. choosing that other die. Celebrities, if you have the money to spend on them, can sometimes radically change your change your payout. On a given round, uh, based on what they do, and and they're a, once again a really good mixture of different things. They score victory points, and if you don't choose one in a given round, that victory point total for that one goes up one, so it becomes more right. valuable to be, to be chosen next round potentially. Um, 
Very cool. It, it also makes turn order much more important as mm-hmm. well than it mm-hmm. ever was. And we'll, and we'll talk about how turn order changes in a different module. But it now, the prospect of one of these celebrity dice being alone on a column, meaning it's free, that could be very juicy and important if you're first player. Whereas first player was important before because you would get the most powerful die out of a row. But it wasn't wildly powerful because there still meant there, there was still a lot of dice in that row if it was really valuable to you. Yeah. But now having a lone celebrity die in a row can make it really good to be going first. Yes, 100%. Um, next module is unique hotels, and this is the variable player power aspect of the game. Um, are these, uh, slightly variable, Tom? These are extremely variable. This is, <laughs> I, I wouldn't what say. What would you compare these to? I would say that they are not quite at the level of Marco Polo level variable power, but right. they are a half step below that. In Marco Polo, I love, one of my favorite things to do in the world is to teach the voyages of Marco Polo because I teach the game and then I say, but hold on, you're gonna. I'm gonna need about ten more minutes because I have to explain who these personages are because they're gonna make your game a little bit different. And I teach them in a very particular way. I teach the 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 more basic ones first. You know, I'll teach you know uh, I'll teach Marco Polo and his and his and his brother first. And they're like, oh wow, that's cool. You get two guys and you can move them on the board. That's that's amazing. Holy cow! And each one I teach after that. Sounds to them more and more amazing until by the time they get to the like the fifth or the sixth guy, they're like, "That's completely broken. Like that is so much better than all of the other ones. How could you possibly play that?" And then the next one tops that, and the next one seems to top that. It's 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 mind blowing how different yeah. they are. And I would say that this is very close to that, right? Yeah, there's not a bad one in the bunch. They're all really exciting and fun, and they're not balanced, which no. is okay because <laughs> you bid for them at the beginning of the game. Hundred. Percent, uh, yeah. I bid. Matt bid two, thinking that he was going to snake the best one in the game we had <laughs> set up, and I said three. And he looked at me and said, I "Should have bid three, shouldn't I?" Yeah. <laughs> well, I sort of wanted. To, I didn't. I, I knew it was the best one, but I was also curious. I wasn't sure how we value them yet. I also started with the least amount of money because I was first player. Sure. Yeah. And and by the way, I, we jury is still out. It was yeah. was three a, a good amount of money, yeah. or is it? Crazy I loved the one I, I had, not necessarily because I know if it's that powerful, because it was so fun. Mine was uh, at the end of the round. I add up the pips on both dice I have taken that round, and I get a specific bonus based on that number, which added a whole other element of the action choice I had every round. Because not only was I thinking about the action, I was thinking about well, I took a three last round. Oh, and if I get a six here, that'd be nine. And nine gives me a wine and a and a strudel. And I actually really need a wine and a strudel. Right? So it's like it adds all this element of choice that wasn't there before. That was so fun. And mine gave me a fourth table in my restaurants. And yeah, when I choose when I choose a, a, a person to put into my restaurant, I can choose a second person each and every round. Yeah. Uh, and and it, also all of these come with different starting resources and sure. money as well. Yeah. And, and mine was like at the end of each round – count up how many players have been placed either in the ballroom or in rooms, and I get bonus victory points based on how many of those I placed each round. I'm not going to lie. That feels pretty powerful. That, that, that power feels very strong. <laughs> it was all right. Well, here's the thing, though. It's a, it's a, it's a self-bouncing mechanism to some degree. Well, yeah. The more it wins, the more you're going to have to pay for it in the future. Correct. And, and more to the point, 
in order to really maximize that, I have to pick people that are easy to satisfy. So I'm picking the zero victory point guys, the one victory point guys, and I'm trying to get a bunch of those so I get the bonus on the number of guys side of it as opposed to fulfilling the harder guys to, to fulfill. It, it, it pushes you yeah. towards a strategy that kind of balances itself strategy. out. strategy. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah, they're all really fun. And, 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 and a different number of them. You don't, you're not uh, bidding on all of them. You only bid on, I think there's eight or something, and you only play with as many, play, as, many as there are players in the game. And uh, you do a really fun little auction before the game starts, much like the expansion for, Marco, uh, for uh, uh, um, Lorenzo. Yeah. Uh, these are the big modules. The fourth module is a fairly simple one. It's a start player module that instead of the snake that used to happen, um, you have turn order tiles and you have a skeleton key option where instead of taking a die, you can take a key that gives you a resource of any kind and a one level action anywhere. But it also means that you will for sure be the first player next round. Uh, which is which is interesting. It's 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 choosing turn player start order can be a really important thing, especially when celebrities are in the game, as Matt already said, right? And I really like this. Look, I understand why they did the snake, but I think they were sort of overvaluing going first. Because when you're snaking, it means first is so powerful that you have to go last in the round now. And it's Um, not not really true. Exactly. And it also just does a bad thing for the tempo of the game because it's a long time between actions and, and too long. Yeah. I mean, in a four-player game, it's 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 a night. It's actually really boring how long it is before your next turn. It's yeah. like go to the bathroom, make a phone call, come back, find out that you still have three more rounds to wait until <laughs> it's your turn. It's not fun, and especially with this expansion because we'll we'll talk about it in a minute. But yeah. if there's a negative to this expansion, it's every choice you have. There are, it's, it's AP city. It is. There are so many factors. There are so many things to consider. It used to be oh. I have these guys. I better clear some rooms. Now, no. It's like, well, I could clear rooms or I could get champagne or I could do this. Right? There's just so many different ways to skin every cat in the game. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, module 5, really quick, is is simply more, uh, more elements. Right? There are more emperor tiles. There are new staff cards. I don't think we really talked about staff cards, but just in case you, in case you haven't played uh, the game at all, there are staff cards. There are employees. That cost money to play, but when you play them, they give you uh, they give you end game powers, one time powers, or continual powers over the course of the game. Some of which are very very game breaking. They they make they make some really interesting uh, options available to you as you do that. And they're- these to me are a slightly less dramatic version of the Agricola occupations. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 basically like occupations, but they don't. Yeah, they they, they don't. They don't. Yeah, the, the, the occupations the in Agricola are the entire game. Yeah, for the most part, they're not the entire oh. game here. But you, you, you do base your your whole strategy around them. I feel like. I mean, I I, I did at least. I sure. I feel like I've never played where I wasn't pretty much basing my strategy around. Yeah. Once again, it's if it's a game where you're trying to get a five percent or ten percent advantage on any given round over the other people, then having an employee that that fits well into the strategy that you're playing can be that difference maker to turn a 5% advantage into a 15 or 20% advantage, right? That, that is so yeah. in tight games, you're looking for those little force multipliers, those right. little, which is a in a nutshell, hundred percent, hundred percent. 
Um, so final thoughts on the expansion, Matt, what do you want to say? Well, then there's the, the last module, which is just more stuff. Yeah. Oh, I ju- yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. That's what, oh, sorry. That's bad. what we were talking about, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Um, so yeah, to me, this is, uh, I, I, this is like, I just got one of my new favorite euros. Yeah. Um, there's nothing more satisfying than having a game in your collection forever that you're like, I like it. I like it enough to not sell it. It's a keeper, but I'll maybe play it once every two years. And then all of a sudden, an expansion comes out and you go, oh, this is a top 10 game of all time for me now. <laughs> and this has replaced, and I'm saying it, this has replaced Lorenzo Il Magnifico for me as my favorite Euro, I think. We're early into the plays of it, but so it's far. Favorite medium weight Euro, yeah. not favorite game of yeah. all time, but it, it, it's that same weight. And look, this is now... Like the, the, the Lorenzo expansion is incredible. It is, inc- it blew my mind when I first played it because it adds those asymmetrical powers. It adds a whole other column. It adds a lot of really fun stuff, but this expansion took that expansion to school. I mean, it's like the, for what it changed to the game, it, it made that expansion look like it wasn't even trying. Yeah. I, I would say that the, um, the Marco Polo expansion was the least successful expansion of the three. Uh, I think uh, Lorenzo was one of the best expansions I've ever seen, at least especially for the the bidding for the starting power, uh, starting resources uh, is just mind-blowing to this day. It's still incredible. Uh, but this one adds so many interesting things, and none of them feel superfluous. None of them feel like they take away from the essential uh, the essential play of the game, they simply add more difficult decisions uh, for you and more options so, so you're not getting stuck the way we sometimes felt like you could in the game before. It's amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I want. It to- also, and we didn't even mention this, and I have yet to try it yet, but it has an entire solo mode as well, which I know is a huge deal for a lot of people, myself included, um, and I am excited to give it a whirl and try it one day, but that that is something that does not exist in... Lorenzo or Marco Polo, or this is, I think, their first, you know, so- game like this with a solo mode in it. I think the Gaming Hermit might be a good, might be a good nickname for you. <laughs> yeah, lately. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I don't know, man. Like the, Simone Luciani and Virginio Gigli should just only make games together. Yes, uh, because they have now made my two favorite medium weight euros. It is it is astonishing. This is not a new coat of paint on an old hotel. This is a full renovation from stem to stern, and they have turned out a masterpiece. It is uh yeah, I, I think I'm ready to say that it's the best Euro expansion I've ever played. Uh we're we're gonna talk about that in now. <laughs> right now. We're gonna move on to our Oh, I, you know, I, I should mention Sure. This is very difficult to get, I, and I feel bad almost yes. reviewing this for people who are hoping to purchase this. Um, it it sort of was a one and done Kickstarter. Um, you know, if, if you can find one on eBay or anything, you know, don't don't sell your house in order to get it. But um, it ain't gonna get easier to get anytime soon. Uh, my, um, my plan so, to get it because I did not kick it. And yeah. my, my plan is I'm going to BGG Con. I'm going to bring a baseball bat and a ski mask. <laughs> and just uh, right off the bat, the first time I see it, I see that box, I'm just going to just go medieval on that person and just run. Just run. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, well, luckily you uh, live very close to somebody who owns it who does not uh, play as regularly as you. So I think you're going to be okay. Yes. Love it. Uh, yeah. So expansions. We're talking about expansions today, right? Um, expansions are – they run the gamut, right? There are expansions that, like this one – utterly change a game you like and make it into one of your favorite games of all time, right? There are expansions that take a game that you've played a, a, a lot of and start, it's starting to feel samey and give it new life. There are expansions that take your money and give you very little. <laughs> there, is a, there are all kinds of ex- expansions that are out there, but, you know, I mean, in your collection, Matt, what percentage of games do you think you have at least one expansion for? 20% probably. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'm somewhere around there, 20 30%, somewhere in that range. Yeah, uh, if, um, if, if I buy a game and it stayed in my collection for over a year or two, if an expansion comes out uh, and it's not you know some kind of expansion that I instantly can tell is going to make the game less enjoyable for me it's almost an instant buy because i would always rather improve a game i own and love than buy a new game 100 percent, 100 percent. i want to play these games that i love and i want to play them more and if i can and if i can feel like there's something new and fresh and oh my god it it gives me a new appreciation for this for the game that i already love uh, how, how do you not do that yeah exactly um, what game do you think you have the most expansions for? Oh, well, too many bones, but I, I don't know if games like that count for expansions. Mm, um, maybe I suppose they do. I mean, age of steam, obviously Concordia, obviously, but also like our maps expansions. I don't know. It gets tricky, but I, I assume I, in, in a sense they are, they feel more like in the video game terms, uh, DLC than you sort know, of, a, but a full expansion. I mean, I, I think for age of steam, I think, they are expansions because the map is not really a map. What the map is a new rule system, really yeah. for, for the most part. There, there are some yeah, that are mostly true. map, but yeah, that's but that's sort of a system. Yeah, it gets interesting. I don't know. Terraforming Mars, I sure have a ton of expansions for. So that's probably the one game I have the most sort of like big box expansions for. Yeah, I have all the I have all the Terraforming Mars expansions, I believe. So. Uh, that, that's that's for sure. There, there's a, there's a ton of, them. Um, and, and then of course you get into the question of what about Netrunner, right? Yeah, I don't I don't think new card releases and new packs and stuff are expansions. I, I don't think so. That to me that's no, that, that's I, more just expanding on a game that already exists as a system yeah, like for competitive play. I don't know. I agree. Um, uh, so what? What what do you look for in an expansion? Like, what's the the the, the things that you're looking for? What what's what what goes into your decision process of back don't back? Well, looking at all of the ones on my list, the five on my list, each of them is a game I already loved mm-hmm. that were, was taken to next level. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm not interested in a game I didn't love getting a little bit better, but I am inter- I am interested in a game I love becoming you know, a top 10 game of all time for me. I'm, I'm going to say right now, I didn't love Grand Austria Hotel. I now, yeah. I now adore it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I liked it. I liked it a lot enough to keep it yeah, forever. Same, same. But, I, um, but I, yeah. So yeah, I, I guess it's, it's not a game I need to love. It's a game that I, I need to like, you know, that I already like and, and preferably already own. Although it, it is fun to find out a game you didn't, weren't interested in all of a sudden became interesting off an expansion. Yeah. I would say that for me, there are thematic games 
that expansions can feel really interesting because um, in a thematic game, you know the, the, the world of the game very, very well. And then when they add in an element that you're like, oh, my God, I know what that is. Oh, my God, that must be amazing to play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about that, I think of games like, well, just Dune, right? We, we talked about Dune today. Yeah. Um, Dune starts with six factions. There are expansions there, there that expand those uh, those factions to others. And if you're a fan of the books, that might be something that might be very attractive to you to right. to bring into the to the game. Um, I definitely know that for Age of Steam, um, in every country that that country's map gets sold like crazy, right? Right, so, of course. Yeah, the, the 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 people in in China they they want to play that they want to play their their country's map, and they might have some issues with the the rules of the of, of their country's map mm-hmm. and things like that, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of interesting. Um, do you think that is it mostly? Is it sounds like what you're saying is is for you mostly what you're doing with expansions is you're giving games you already love new life. Is that? pretty much yeah and and usually they become more balanced or uh have larger um decision spaces more strategies for winning so i already took a game that i enjoyed and now all of a sudden it feels like there's infinite possibilities of exploration in terms of what are viable strategies now yeah 100 percent. now what do you have do you have any expansions that fix games because it sounds like for you, you might not even get those because you wouldn't you wouldn't keep playing the game that needs a fix anyway. Well, that's interesting. One on my list is a game that I really loved, but I knew was imperfect. And then I think the expansion made it perfect and maybe my definitely in my top three favorite games of all time. And before it probably wasn't even in the top 20 because I didn't feel it was balanced well. Yeah, so to some degree, that that's a factor too, right? There are expansions that take a game that you almost loved, and yeah. you, you you hung on to it in in the hope that it would improve, and then the designer comes in and is like, "Oh, don't worry about it. I got this." Right? Yep. Which exactly. Is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Um, you go through them. Let's do it. So, so are we? Should, do you want to start with the best game, games that are best without any expansions, or do you want to start with the games that trans the expansions oh, that transform? Maybe, maybe we'll go best first, and we'll just sort of move move quickly through those. Sure. Best uh, games that are best without expansions. What is your number five? Uh, my number five is Marco Polo: Agents of Venice. Um, I think Marco Polo is best as base. Um, I think if you want more Marco Polo, you should play Marco Polo Two. I kind of agree with that. The only thing I like about the the expansion is I like the new characters. The, and I don't like all the sure. new characters, but most of the new characters are pretty amazing. And, and that's a lot of what the game is. But I don't need the Venice map. I, it's, uh, it's yeah, I don't, I don't, that's my problem is I don't like the Venice map. There is an expansion called Marco Polo, the new characters that I think is, is great. Um, and it actually has four really good characters on it as well. But that was like a little mini expansion. But yeah, I, the the board and agent of Venice just feels unnecessary and not very fun oh, for me. So my number five fits dead on in with this because it is terraforming Mars. Now, my favorite expansion, one of my favorite expansions of all time, and I think the highest rated expansion on the geek is Prelude. Is the Prelude right. expansion for terraforming Mars? I will never not play with Prelude. It is phenomenal. I also think that the new map, the Elysium and Hellas map, is 
are, is a better map than the base map in the game. Mm-hmm. I think it is a, it, it the problem with the base game is that the uh the milestones uh some of the the milestones are for having three uh, forests, three cities and those are things that score points anyway. So why mm-hmm. give a bonus for being the first one to get ahead of these scoring things whereas the the new two maps none of the things that they score that that you score for milestones are directly related to end game scoring, which I think is a better right. design decision. Yeah, I uh, can see that. Yeah. So I like that. But that aside, all of the other expansions, so Venus Next, Colonies, even Turmoil, which I kind of like. Yeah, I like Turmoil. They all take away from the the terraforming of Mars. They suddenly add these side games, and the side games to me. There's two problems with them. First of all, they're, they're distracting from the 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 focus of the game in, in a way that I don't find uh, I don't find artistic. I don't find appealing. Um, but also, you're adding in these cards into a very large deck of cards, and yeah. and there's what twenty cards, twenty new cards that are particularly right for this or for uh, or for mm-hmm. or for that yeah it can, it can get diluted and, yeah and you're if you adopt that strategy you're just flipping a coin as to whether or not you're even going to see two of these in the whole game sure and and so i so uh, so on the whole other than the the two expansions i mentioned i don't really like the terraforming mars expansions and i would rather play base base mars what's your number four my number four is seven wonders um mm, yeah. i don't I don't really love any of the Seven Wonders expansions. I feel they all sort of water down the experience, make it take a little too long, and the teach is a lot longer. Um, I, I don't hate leaders, um, but I, I wouldn't want to play with any of the other ones. Hmm. Um, but I just think pure Seven Wonders, if you're going to play, is is just exactly what it should be at, at its at its length and weight. It is on my list. It would have been my number six. I totally agree. The only difference for me is is that I prefer cities to leaders as the one expansion to add in. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree. I think I think base uh, seven wonders is the best seven wonders. Yeah. My number four is High Frontier. High Frontier actually has the the first expansion for it is the bigger board that just includes uh, Jupiter and. Uh, and, and Saturn, I think that's must. I think you have to have that to, to re- really play the game. But then they add all of these other expansions. They add Interstellar and this and the other thing. And it takes a game that started off being just a real, uh, a really deeply studied, like these. this is the technologies we are currently working on right now and we think can reach fruition. And this is a hard science, real game about the potential of the next hundred to two hundred years for exploring our solar system, and they turn it into increasingly science fictiony kind of far out things that we have no idea if these are mm-hmm. ever going to work or ever going to do. And it just it takes this is the um, the thematic game problem for me, right? Sometimes thematic games an expansion comes out and boy, oh, I want to explain that world, and sometimes it it kind of kills the very thing that it, that was the attraction in the first place, and that's that's it for High Frontier for me. Yeah, makes sense. Number three? My number three is uh, maybe my favorite game of all time, Twa. Uh, I think Twa, the ladies of Twa, is uh, not a great expansion. Um, I think it serves its purpose. It's okay. My favorite thing about it are the purple dice, which are sort of wild dice. Um, But I think if you uh, just own five dice of another color, 
you should save yourself some money. And I paid a lot of money for this expansion because I got it when it was very out of print um, and just add those in and have everybody gets one wild die. I don't really like um, the cards in this game very much. I think a lot of them are overly complicated and not that fun and don't necessarily mix well with the base game cards. Um, and the whole moat, uh, the whole like moving around the board piece I forget what they call it. It's like your guard or something. Mm-hmm. That whole game to me always just feels totally not fun at all and rarely useful and totally detracts from the game. I just think Twa base is perfect. I respect that they tried to add some more fun stuff in there, but I, I think it's um, totally unnecessary. 100%. I, d- I don't want to play with the with the ladies. Um, yeah. I, w- I want to play with, with women of all kinds. I don't want to play ladies of Twa. Yes. Um, number three for me is Keyflower. I think Keyflower oh. is nearly a perfect game, and I have so many expansions for it. I've got the Farmer's expansion. I've got the this, sure, got the sure. that. But the way the, the these expansions are supposed to fit in, you're supposed to pull just a few tiles from the expansion and mix them in with the normal tiles from the expansion, and it creates a similar situation to what I was describing in Terraforming Mars, which is you get the pig's tile comes out or something like yep. that. And you have no idea if there's going to be anything that's going to synergize with that. You have no yep. idea what's going to come out and what is is going to go together or what isn't going to go together with that. Um, and it's such a good game in and, of, in and of itself that every expansion kind of to some large or small degree just just unbalances a perfectly balanced engine to me. So, totally. Not, yeah. Not a fan. Makes sense. Number two for you. My number two is uh, you will not agree with, but to me it's Agricola. Uh, look, I respect Farmers of the Moor, uh, the expansion and the people, um, but I don't want anything else in my Agricola. Uh, to me, Agricola is perfect and pure. There's already enough cards to memorize. There's already a, the largest decision space in the history of board games, maybe. To me, it's chess, and you do not add an expansion to chess. Interesting. Yes, I don't agree with that. But well, yeah. we might be talking about that in a minute. <laughs> uh, my, my number two is Catan. Um, Catan is an amazing game in in its base format. When you add in Knights and Cities, I think is one of the for me probably the worst expansion I've ever played. It turns a game into a very, very different game and a game I don't really have much interest in. It. Mm. Uh, Seafarers is is much, much better. But even that, it, uh, is it better than Base Catan? I don't think it's better. I don't think it's better. Starfarers of Catan is a totally different game, so it doesn't even count. Um, I, 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 like, I like my Catan um, like I like my... Uh... <laughs> Uh-oh. Where are we going? <laughs> Amish. Plain. There you go. Plain. I like them plain. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, I agree with that. I have played a few of the expansions, and it's like, mm, they're okay. Yeah. They're okay. Exactly. Number one? I think we have the same number one. I'm going to guess it. So I think we should say it at the exact same time. One, do you, how do two. You, do you agree with that? I think right, it might be. On. Right. One, two, one, three. two, three. Battlestar Galactica. No, Dune! <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, wow. Well, very similar, though. That's funny. They are completely similar. They are, and I think for the same reason. And and by the way, Battlestar is on my list, except Pegasus isn't bad. Pegasus is interesting. But, but that's, but everything else not, is bad. It does not improve the experience. No, I agree with that. 
I agree with that. 100%. Just a different experience. Yeah. And all of the other ones. Uh, the, the New Caprica is an abomination that should have been nuked from space, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but Dune is, to me, Dune is even worse, right? The, the old Dune, the original Dune, came out with uh, came out with the uh, uh, the duel which is horrible it came out with the spice wars horrible like none of them they're all bad mini games that add on to the game they're not they're not good at all and they dilute something that's amazing and now the new version um, has the Ixians and the Tlaloxu. also right, not, yep. not good not Ooh. good it, it, it's I think part I bought of it just because I'm a Dune completist, but yeah, I haven't played it yet. It was gifted to me by by one of our uh, one of our listeners, um, right, right. and uh, thank you so much for it. I don't like it, but it was it was great to have <laughs> and great to try. But if you want to send Tom any more gifts, you can send them. <laughs> I'm to. sorry, I apologize. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to save people money here. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. The thing is, is that Dune has six asymmetric uh, players with asymmetric powers and it's not perfectly balanced but it's quite well balanced and adding in these two new ones it just upsets the apple cart it it, it just it throws off the soup it really does that's all right let's move through our our expansions that make games incredible elevate them list all right Shall we do my number five first yes do your number five expansions that transform games Mine is Underwater Cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Underwater Cities, mm-hmm. but I felt that Underwater Cities' new discoveries made it one of my favorite Euros ever. Uh, it added... Now, it does that same thing that I hate, and it's the first time I've actually been okay with it because I do think there is... I did find my ideal way to play, but there are modules that don't play well together and you <laughs> actually can't combine some of them, and that's frustrating to me, but... Uh, just playing with the uh, the underwater museum uh, thing to me is just the way to play. And there's only one board that works with that, so it's very simple and clean. And that to me is the game. But I adore Underwater Cities New Discoveries. 100%. Love it, love it, love it. Don't love the museum part of it. It's, it's, okay. it's another one of those things that pulls your attention away from the main game onto this huh. side game that well, for me, me it's, you're, it's, it, it, you're already doing everything that's involved yeah. in it. It's just now giving you yeah. uh, some more uh, rewards and benefits off of doing what you're already doing and sort of made racing to certain parts of your board actually more valuable. I yeah. I, I listen, I, I love the expansion. Uh, it, it is a, it is a minor point at best because it doesn't really annoy me that much, but yeah. for, for a little bit, I just, with those, those side games, sometimes they they fit in perfectly, and I love them to death. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't. They're they're real hit and miss for me. My yeah, num- my number five is uh, a game we just mentioned: Agricola Farmers on the Moor. <laughs> oh, jeez! Uh, look, I, I sort of expected that, look, which is you know, look, yeah, it's a well known fact. Like you said, that you wanted to play Agricola so many times that you became an expert. Uh, that that is. That is the cry of a child. That is a child that doesn't understand Agricola, that wants to understand it. And I'm here to tell you that for me, and listen, I'm fine being an outlier. You know that. Uh, For me, Farmers on the Moor is the expansion that makes Agricola the best game that it can be. The problem with Agricola is that there is no second strategy to family growth. 
Family growth is mandatory, and it's mandatory as quickly as you possibly can do it. There are ways to uh, there are ways to win being the second to family growth, maybe the third, but really, the 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 people that are growing their family the fastest have such a strong advantage in that game, in my opinion, that we need that that we needed an adjustment. I love first of all, I love farmers on the moor. I love the theme. I love the the fact that you you don't start out with a pristine uh, farm that you have to clear the land, you have to to work at it. But especially, I love the fact that you have to heat your home, which doesn't completely mitigate the family growth issue. But it does help somewhat. It does take the family growth situation and make it that the person that does family growth early has to pay an extra resource cost as the game goes on. And that just makes more strategies more viable. It makes the rush to family growth not as completely all all consuming and mandatory. Uh, I just I love it. I love uh, Agricola Farmers on the Moor. It is my preferred way to play it. Um, you know, you know, Trey might be screaming into his uh, headphones right now. And, and well, totally- not just Trey, but the you know, I mean, the Agricola pros in the world, the Lumen Spurlings of the world, who have probably played more Agricola than we've played every other game that exists combined. <laughs> probably. You know, they all would disagree with that. And, and that doesn't discount your well, point. Would they, I'm dis- just saying. would they disagree with it, or is, that, or is that just not the game they play? I don't know. Well, they, they would say there are a million ways that, that the, 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 the occupation deck and the different mix of occupation decks and the different tournaments that are built around different occupation decks are how they answer the variability of making it not the, you know, the rote opening move every time of having to race for, um, you know, uh, family growth. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you, you can't even do family growth for several rounds, but yes, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think it's, it's just, it, I think my, I, I'm going to stick with my point. My point is, is that I, I believe that the, the, there are very few winning strategies that, that don't, that don't require a rush to family growth early. That's my theory. Right. That's my that's my belief. Yep. What is your number four? My number four is, uh, which is funny because you had I had Agricola and you had Terraforming Mars. Mine is Terraforming Mars Prelude. To me, I liked Terraforming Mars, but Terraforming Mars Prelude made it one of my favorite games in my top ten of all time. I enjoy the others, but I won't always play with them. But I will never play Terraform Mars without Prelude. To me, it utterly transformed the game. It made it a, oh, that's a cool engine builder to, oh, this is a potential Agricola killer. I mean, in terms of just like, I could see playing this forever and always finding fun ways to play it um, and new strategies. Yeah, I, I said I said I will. I, I don't ever want to play uh, Terraform yeah. Mars without Prelude. It's a, it's astonishingly good so simple and so needed so so it, it makes the game so much better so quickly yeah agreed absolutely love it uh, my number four is age of steam the korea map oh there we go yeah 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 uh, so this is so, so each map in age of steam or most maps in age of steam introduce a new wrinkle in the rules some of them say okay engineer no longer works like this, suddenly engineer does this instead, right? Or this mm-hmm. this works this way, or this is the way we deal with mountains in this game. Or you have to build contiguous rail, you can't separate rail out, or you have to build from the east coast or west coast only, you can't start in the middle, and so all sorts of things like that. Uh, right. But the Korea map 
radically transforms the entire game. Uh, because when you look at the map, you immediately see that all the cities are gray. There's no aren't there's no yellow there's no red there's no blue there's no like all of the colors like how am i supposed to know where the cubes are supposed to go it's like the main rule of the game is totally eliminated because the way it works is is you can because each city is the color of the cubes that are on that city which creates an incredibly dynamic uh, game. That already makes my brain hurt. I mean, I played this map before, and it is exhausting. <laughs> I, <laughs> it I is, think it is too exhausting for me. Uh, it, it takes it takes a hardcore economic game and turns it into turns it into Sudoku. It, it's the most. It's a puzzle game. It's a dynamic <laughs> yeah. puzzle game. It turns it into a different yeah. game. It's astonishing. I absolutely adore it. I'll play it at any time, and it it, it completely transforms the game. Yeah. What is your number three? Uh, my number three is Lorenzo, Il Magnifico, yep. uh, Houses of the Renaissance. Um, this took one of my favorite games of all time and just cranked it up a couple notches and made me love it even more. I also would never play without it, but I, I like heavy, long, chunky games. This makes it heavier, longer, chunkier. Um, I adore the very specific and awesome bidding mechanism for the asymmetrical powers, which in your bidding, you're starting resources, mm-hmm. not money, but like, <laughs> you know, there's actual charts of starting resources and you're bidding how few you're going to get of them, which is a gut wrenchingly difficult decision <laughs> at all times. And really it's, 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 it's an entire game unto itself. That's so fun. That's, yeah. that's at the beginning of every game. It's just fantastic. It may be my favorite start to a game ever. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. And then just ha- adding in a potpourri column to one of the columns in the building is great. It brings out more options for um, finding the cards you need. Often the spaces are all full. You're really collecting green cards. It just gives you. It, it just makes the game a little more forgiving, which is actually good in terms of really trying to get your engine going sometimes. I, I don't think it's one of those games where the looseness actually makes it less interesting. I think it actually makes it more. 100%. 100%. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, my number yep. three is El Grande King and Intrigue expansion. So El Grande's yeah. got a ton of expansions, but uh, this one is the one that that really tra- transforms the game in a really crazy way. So base El Grande, you have a hand of tiny cards, and they're numbered 1 to 13. And when you put them out... Uh, that is essentially your bid for where you are going to start. Are you going to be the first person to pick from the the various uh, strategy cards in the game? Or are you going to be the last? If you're last, guess what? It has certain bonuses because you get to, to get more of your caballeros and move them you know, into a place where you can place them on the board. Um, this expansion turns that experience of having these 13 cards and choosing from the five piles of... Uh, strategy cards into one mechanic you instead have a hand of like 60 cards or something like that some some huge number of cards of your color and the first thing you do before you start the game is you pick the 13 that you are going to work with and these cards have both a number on the top which is the order in which you go and they have the strategy written on them so the the each person has their own 
their own bespoke 13-card hand that they're going to play with for that game. That is, everybody's is going to be different. Everyone is going to have different tricks up their sleeve, different uh, um, ways that they can get around the treachery that is that is El Grande. Absolutely amazing. Love it to death. Yeah, we need to play that one. I, I don't think I've played that before. That's oh, awesome. Yeah, I think you'd love it. Absolutely. What is your number right. two? My number two is Great Western Trail Rails to the North. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also an expansion that I, I don't think I'd ever play without. Um, I have I have not played or even read the rule book for the second edition of Great Western Trail, so I can't speak to what they're doing there. But for me, this was a mind-blowing expansion that took a game that I loved, which is my top 10, and just made me realize like I never want to not play this. This is a game I always want to play. The, the whole upper section it added to the board is such a fun new way that actually makes it matter um, using the trains a lot more. And mm-hmm. it's not just about racing to the end of the track, which is sort of all it was about before. There, There's genuinely important strategic decisions that can lead to victory that don't involve being the first to the end of the track to get all the really huge points at the end there. Um, I just think it's fantastic. 100%. 100%. Totally agree uh, in every way. Um, I, I, th- I think it's I think it's an amazing expansion. I like that the new edition of it uses some of it to create a not quite the expansion game, but to use some of it to make the base game the new version of the base game better and more balanced. So I, I think that's really cool too. My number two is Tuscany, which is the Viticulture expansion. Um, Viticulture is one of those games that if you play the base game of Viticulture, if you play the very first edition of of Viticulture, you are playing a radically different game than if you're playing the Viticulture Essential Edition or the Viticulture Tuscany uh, Edition. You're taking a game that goes from being a very light, uh, a very light medium game into a pretty heavy medium game almost immediately. It, It... Takes yeah, that's true. It, it takes everything about the game and focuses it on wine production, focuses it on the steps that you need to take to make the best wine and to get it out there. Uh, it, I, I, it's, I'll never not play with, with Tuscany. That's a good one. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. You're, you're absolutely right. That, that, is, that, is, that is the full game for me. Absolutely. 100%. What is your number one expansion that transforms games? Well, and it's amazing because... It's just a deck of cards. <laughs> but my expan- my f- number one expansion of all time mm-hmm. is Through the Ages, New Leaders and Wonders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all Vlada Shvadl did, and by all, I say, was just redesign the in- all the cards in a card game. Uh, in a game that is almost entirely just made up of cards, he just redesigned all of them. Uh, Through the Ages is one of my favorite games of all time and always was. It was long. It was not well balanced. It was. It had very specific goals, um, and there were bad cards in it, and there were really good cards in it, and it was crazy fun, regardless of all that. Mm-hmm. And then Vladislavl said, "What if it was perfect, though? <laughs> what if the game was perfectly balanced? What if you could play it forever? What if every card was good? What if?" Every age was perfectly balanced. What if there was new strategies? What if what if the game just had no flaws and then said, oh, all I have to do is just print new cards and sell those. And that's what Vladislav did. 
and he took a game in my top 10 that I loved and made it my, my maybe my number two, my number three of all time. It's a game I'll never not want to play. Yeah. I, I didn't pick it because I knew you were going to pick it. So I left right. that. And I, I didn't pick your number one because I knew you were going to pick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tribune expansion. I've talked about the Tribune expansion many times. Uh, the new edition of, of Tribune uh, incorporates the expansion. So it is uh, no longer just an expansion, but it's actually part of the game now. That's how intrinsic it is. Um, we talked earlier about a, fi- a, a expansion that fixes a game. I would say this kind of falls into that category. Uh, original Tribune is a good medium weight game the expansion makes it a truly great game and the addition of the sixth player that plays a completely other game uh, i've said it so many times so i don't need to talk about it much more but it transformed my understanding of what a game could be that you could that somebody with the master of carl hanschmiel could Take a take a game and turn it on its head, and literally add another player into the into a game that can't really have another player, and play a an entirely different game that uses the resources that no one else is using in order to try and win and and to balance yeah. that is it's, it's astonishing. It's just astonishing. Yeah. No, it is definitely what I think of when I think of expansions that change the game. Hundred percent. That was good. Dude, you, uh, are you guys writing this down? That That's a lot of good <laughs> expansions out there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's a lot of great stuff. Uh, do you think we have time for one sommelier? Let's do one, sure. Let's do one. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with mama, madame, abou. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far as my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master, the game sommelier. Matt, I know you love this song, so I'm just going to let it play. I'm going to let it play out for a nice long... Can I get some more snare in my headphones? Uh, all right, we got, a, we got a question from Todd Chavez. He said, hi, I have a game sommelier. No, you have a question for the game sommelier, but I will allow <laughs> Maybe uh, he has one. Maybe you're about to be replaced. <laughs> he lives in my basement. I feed him occasionally. <laughs> what, what, what does he want to eat? <laughs> <laughs> what do you feed a game sommelier? Um, <laughs> and how do I keep him from gnawing through the ropes? Uh <laughs> Uh, how do the Game Brain crew view Mind Clash's Voidfall Kickstarter? Do you see why I picked this, Matt? This is a question mm. for you. I know mm. many in the Game Brain family, uh, Mind Clash is considered to be an auto back. And I also felt the same way. However, after watching the gameplay videos, the game seems to be very low to no player interaction, multiplayer solitaire. It's also it's also cooperative. So it's the comparison to Spirit Island and Space seems apt. And as an anti-co-op, high-player interaction gamer, I find myself conflicted. I would love to hear the Brain Trust's opinions on Voidfall. Is this the first Mind Clash Kickstarter to skip? I'm going to turn it over to you, Matt. Because <laughs> you, well, you, you, you stand hard for, for Mind Clash. Yeah, I don't think this is a cooperative game. Um, I'm pretty sure it's not. There's a co-op mode. Um, is that right? But this is, yeah, this is a 4X game. I, I, I don't, this is not a, a cooperative game. Um, it has a cooperative mode. Maybe that's what someone was 
they were streaming. Um, but there's a there's a solo co-op mode and a competitive mode. So to me, the competitive mode is the game. Um, now, I don't do a lot of research before I back Mind Clash <laughs> games because they've never done me wrong. And so I just hit the button and know I'm going to be happy in seven years when it shows up. Um, so, uh, yeah, but I... I I'm looking right now just to be like, did I back a cooperative game by accident? No, it's definitely got a competitive element and and a cooperative mode, unless they've changed something since when I'm looking at the Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, this the, the, the reason I'm really excited is David Turksey and his, I read a designer diary that he did where he talked about his, uh, his desire to sort of perfect the 4X genre and to sort of remove, I believe, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, the downfalls of it, the, mm-hmm. the turtling strategies versus the aggressive strategies and, and also the length of time that it takes often to play these. I know this is a game that's designed to be played in two to three hours, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, pretty fast for a 4X game. Um, and it's, it seemed like somebody who really knows how to design games taking on a genre with the goal of perfecting it. And that to me is exciting. And it is a genre I like, but that I find flawed. Mm-hmm. My favorite version of it would be Eclipse. But even that, we play maybe once to twice a year. Um, and after I play it, I'm okay not playing it for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But it would be great to have a 4X that I'm excited to play more often. And I think there is a shot for that here. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the pluses are Mind Clash. They, they have they really had any misses? They're they're very very good. They're a very good design company. I mean, people can take relief Cerebria. Some people love it. Most people find it to be a little more complicated than it needs to be. And also, it's it, it's it's in a strange space as it's a team game, sure, which is sure. just very hard to pull off. You know, listen, it's David Turksey who. I mean, is there anybody on more of a role than him? I'm not sure. He's he's way up there. And and Nigel Buckle, who did Imperium Classics and Imperial yeah. Imperium Legends, widely regarded, well regarded games. I will say for me on the negative side, uh 160 bucks is a lot of money to drop on a game. That is one uh, thing. Well, you could get the standard for, you know, eighty. Yeah, but yeah, you don't have you don't have to go all in for the mm, galactic box, Tom. Yeah, but Really? You don't need the minis, but really though, I mean, listen, I don't, but but don't most people? Yeah, if you're playing, sure, but if you're you know, playing I'm just a, saying you don't, you don't, you could get yeah. the full game without it. And and listen, the criticisms that have been leveled about this game, and I'm, uh, criticisms is the wrong word, but people that have played it, that have talked about it, say that 4X is a misnomer. It's not really much of a 4X game. It is much closer to Scythe. Than it is to a, okay. a to a 4x in terms of the way it is des- it, it is designed. So really, that's more the question that I would have for, for for Todd is: Do you like Scythe? If you like Scythe, if that kind of gameplay is gonna fit, um, that's the word I hear thrown out the most by people that have play tested and and, and played the game. Uh, but I'll also give you another my, thing. my answer to that would be: I don't like Scythe, and I sold Scythe, and I did back this. Yeah, uh, listen. I got two options for you. Uh, first of all, play it on TTS. It is on Tabletop Simulator. You can play it. Do play it. Figure out if you want to. You, you want to back it. You don't even have to play a full game. You play two or three rounds of it, and you will know whether or not this is this is something to back. Uh, and then the other. And thing to be is- fair, the Kickstarter is finished, but you, the uh, you can late pledge. They're taking Correct. addresses, and they will open up the pledge manager, and people can late pledge. So you you'll have plenty of time to get it as soon as everybody else. I imagine. Exactly. Uh, and then the only thing I would say is that if if 4X is your draw, 
right? If you're going to this because you want to play a, a 4X game, um, there is another game that is says it's 4X but isn't quite 4X called Fractal. It's also science fiction uh, uh, themed uh, and, and probably another game that you should just take a quick peek at and see if uh, maybe that particular flavor of not quite 4X is is, hmm. is more to your liking. But, uh, Interesting. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I would say. But, uh, you know, Matt is dead on right that, uh, you know, Turksy, Vine Clash, it, it, they have the pedigree for turning out good games time and time again. So there's a, there's a yeah. good chance that you'll be happy. Right. And, and I've also just, you know, uh, capitalistically, it's very rare that you get one of these games that is hard to move later on. Yeah. If you end up disliking it, you know, you'll pay You'll pay some, you'll lose a little bit of money, but um, you know, people love these games. Yeah. You pay 160, you sell it for 140, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Matt, it is so good to have you back at the gaming table. Really, that really was a blast. enjoying, really enjoying just, just hanging with my friend again. That's a, it's, it's not to be, it's not to be undersold. It's a big, big deal. I love it. And we have reaffirmed our loves for Virginio Gigli and Simone Luciani. And I was thinking as we were discussing this, boy, I sure hope they have another game coming out together. And Tom, they did <laughs> they at Essen this year. Yes! It's called Golem and, Golem. Golem. And I can't wait to play it. And it looks heavy as sin. And it also has Flaminia Brazzini as one of the designers as well. So that trio is insanely exciting. And it's impossible to pre-order yet. But trust me, this will be on our tables as soon as it can possibly be on a table in America. Can, can I tell you where my mind went when I looked at it? It, it's first of all, it's called Golem. It's dark. It's you know, it's it's baroque in terms of the way it looks. It looks to me like Trismegistus. It uses marbles. <laughs> I keep thinking Trismegistus when I look at it. Yeah, it, I know. I hear you. I hear you. Scares me to death. But hey, listen, every, everybody, everybody can have uh, can, can these have, two designers working together have never not made a masterpiece. Now it's true. It is true. Straight up. Straight up. Oh. Never not made a masterpiece. Love it. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Game Brain Pod. We have a Facebook group, a Discord channel, lots of talk going on there. Please get us sommelier questions. We absolutely love them. Uh, and this is going to be us signing off. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by, hey, this guy, Matthew Robinson, and this guy, Tom Donnelly, and Trey Olson. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edomar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can always reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks so much for listening. And go play some games with friends or make some friends with games.